0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you got everything you probably wanted from the Steelers' 27-15 win over the Buffalo Bills in week two of the preseason. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'll go over the best parts, the worst parts, and what were the biggest things that you should be excited about right here on a bonus episode of the podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers. Your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content like this episode. And we'll be sure to get you your team every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp gives you better therapy online. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try by visiting betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month or on them later. I'm going to say the same thing I started off the last preseason bonus episode talk with. Sure, don't get too excited. It's just preseason. Don't overreact. But there's so many positives to take out of what we saw. And listen, I'm all for the whole like you know it's just a preseason game. Don't crown anybody, all that all that kind of stuff. And, and I agree, you, you shouldn't crown people just for uh, preseason preseason action. But they did everything that you really wanted them to do. They ran the ball well, they threw the ball well. Special teams made plays. Defense dominated. Joey Porter got an interception. It was if you were there, if you were a Steelers fan at the stadium, you probably had a ball watching that game. And I want to talk about the things on offense that led to this. And and one thing that I think that we have kind of seen and we could kind of you can't put it to bed yet because it's still just the preseason, just training camp and all those things. But. This offense is explosive again, and it's been a while since the Steelers offense has been explosive. When I say explosive, I mean being able to, to hit for big plays this offense has scored from the first team offense. They've had three drives in the preseason. They've scored from 33 yards out. they scored from 62 yards out and they've scored from 25 yards out. Two of those were Kenny Pickett touchdown passes. One of those was a Jalen Warren 62 yard run. And to me, I think once has happened stands twice as coincidence, three times means you got something there. And, if you want to throw out the first one against the Buccaneers because that was their backups, fine. But this is a Bills defense that whooped the Steelers up and down the field last year. A Bills team that whooped the Steelers up and down the field last year. And again, just first team to first team, the Steelers dominated. And small sample size, sure, all that. But the sm- even if you took a small sample size of that Bills-Steelers game last year, the Bills owned them. And it was the complete flip side of that in this game. And one of the things that really, really about Kenny Pickett being sharp and doing what he did was how well he processed the field. And I don't think there's enough talk about that. I think everyone was just excited to see the big plays. But listen to him talk in the post game. I wasn't able to get him at the podium because I was in the Steelers locker room and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only one guy. But listen to him talking about how we were ready for the cover two looks. We were li- ready for what they were trying to show us. And Kenny Pickett finished the game going 3 for 4 for 43 yards and a touchdown. But his first two completions before the Pat Frymouth touchdown were both plays where the Bills disguised the coverage, and he didn't even blink. The first play was a quick pass to the outside to George Pickens. The Bills showed cover two, switched to cover one. And immediately, uh, Kenny Pickett knew, oh, well, that's one-on-one coverage on the outside. <laughs> George has got that. You don't got to worry about a zone underneath, like, you know, waiting for the pass, quick read, easy catch, easy, easy first down. They move the chains. Then on third down, they do the reverse. They show cover one man press all over one high safety, everyone up on their wide receivers. Then on the snap of the ball, one of the one of the safeties comes from out of the box, goes deep and it's cover two and it's a zone. And so now Kenny Pickett if he panics. The you know, this that's going to ruin the momentum and they're probably going to have to punt in this play. He doesn't panic. He doesn't even flinch. He waits for Allen Robinson to set up in his route, hits him in the perfect spot. They move the chains over the middle, well executed, well timed, seamless. Didn't look like it even phased him. And when I tell you that if you go back go back and look at the Steelers Bills tape and which may not be something you want to do from 2022 because it was such a bad game for the Steelers but go back and look at the all 22 and look at how Kenny Pickett would think in the moment when this when the Bills did that, or or other teams early on in the season, because a lot of teams they were doing that. They would show one defense flip to another. They show this defense flip to this defense, and later in the season, Kenny Pickett got better at understanding at least how, like not to freeze up and to actually have a better reaction to it. But back th- in the early part of that season, I mean, it was it was a kryptonite for him. And now, it, it's like it does. It's not. Even, it didn't even exist in this game. He was ready for it the whole time, and then. On his touchdown pass to Pat Frymuth, it was perfect in all aspects. He identified the cover two defense, zone, by the way. Recognized, oh, I got Pat Frymuth on a linebacker. And then throws it to a point where the linebacker can't even touch it. It's back shoulder to Pat Fryermuth's seam right in between the two safeties. And thrown in a way that allows Pat Frymuth to kind of keep his momentum building to get to the goal line so when he gets hit, he just... His momentum carries him into the end zone. Touchdown. Great read, great throw, great play. And I'll even say, Pat, I mean, it was, wasn't was terrible coverage by the linebacker. He at least closed the gap. He forced Kenny Pickett to be accurate. It's just that Kenny Pickett was. And he threw Pat move open in that situation. I think it speaks a lot to where this offense could go this year if he can hit throws like that. And it's just like the Pickens touchdown, surveying the field Against the Buccaneers, looking one way, looking you know, looking off the safety here to go over here and hit your guy over the middle. That's two t- two deep touchdown passes down the middle part of the field, which people said was impossible to do with Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. Kenny Pickett's getting sharper, and he's throwing his guys open. Well, I didn't get to talk to Kenny Pickett after the game because he was at the podium, and I was in the Steelers' locker room. I did get to talk to Pat Fryermuth. Here's what he had to say when I asked him about Kenny Pickett. It looked like they had a decent cover, but he a touchdown. Kenny threw it in a perfect yep. spot. He, has he been throwing you guys open more, a lot more this, this this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know Kenny's been more comfortable with us and you know how. You know, we've run routes i mean I think it's hard for any quarterback not just a rookie last year coming in midseason and getting adjusted to the new receivers um but you know I think we had that full off season in last year and this camp and everything to you know get adjusted on the same page and um, you know it's paying off now
0: How have you seen his growth as a, as a person being able to, to have of course those kind of moments not just the throw itself but being so prepared to know when that throw needs to come.
1: Yeah, um, you know it's been huge. You know his growth is has been exponential, and I think that you know he's learning everything the right way. And you know I think it's everyone's been comfortable with what he wants us to do.
0: It's not just that Kenny Pickett can read defenses and then counter and then know where to go with those defenses. He knows where to go with them and how to attack them with his different weapons that are out there. And I think that's what was so impressive about the touchdown to Fryermuth and why he's starting to be like, yeah, you know, Kenny's doing this. Like, like they're getting used to it. And it's just been a preseason and a training camp. And I think it goes to this is why I've been saying Kenny Pickett can grow at a very fast pace is because the way he sees the field, the way he works, he studies, he's a student of the game. He is a filmaholic. And he is, a, 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 he, he is de- devoted to turning the Phil maholic work into results on the field. I saw it at Pitt. I think we saw it at the end of last season. And I'm pretty doggone sure we're seeing it right now. And again, it's just preseason. This doesn't mean he's going to the Pro Bowl. It doesn't mean that the Steelers are, are destined for glory right now. But like I said last week, they had to stack good days. They had to stack good games good practices and as far as stacking this performance on top of the last performance what other grade can you give Kenny Pickett in the passing offense than an a plus sure you can sit here and say well it wasn't a methodical dink and dunk down the field what if they have to do a 10 play drive? who cares when they're scoring this fast and frankly, we saw the dink and dunk work last year So it, it, when he was still adjusting to how to play in the NFL. So I, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to figure that out when that time comes. But one of the biggest things this offense needed to show that it could get, step up to a new level is that it can be explosive. And it was just that for a second straight preseason game. I mean, heck, the, the, the first team offense for the Steelers, they came out, did two drives they may stand on Mitch Trubisky, the Bills were still sending out Josh Allen after the Steelers had said, Kenny Pickett, you're done for the day. Who in their right minds thought going into this game that Josh Allen would still be out there while Kenny Pickett was the one resting? If anything, everyone thought that was going to happen in reverse. Again, don't read too much into this. This is just preseason. But these guys are passing their tests at the rate that you want them to. And if you're a Steelers fan, you have every right to get excited about that. I don't care what people say. Oh, you guys, you guys just don't, you just want to celebrate the preseason. You don't know what it's like to win. First of all, if you're a Steelers fan, tell whoever said that to shut up because you saw, you know, your franchise has won six Super Bowls. And if you're at least my age, you've seen them win at least two of them. But right now, this is very good. You don't see this. And if this was in the reverse, if the Buffalo Bills were up on the Steelers 21, nothing at halftime, you know, very well people would be like, Oh man, the Steelers, they look pretty bad. Can you pick it? We told you he wasn't that good. So Steelers fans feel good about this. I want to talk about the rushing offense too, especially with Jalen Warren and that touchdown run, because I think there was some really good stuff there. We'll talk about that. The defense, Joey Porter Jr., also the bad things I didn't like about about this preseason game for the Steelers. All that here on this bonus episode. I'm your host, Chris Carter, the Locked On Steelers podcast. Stick with us. We still have a lot to discuss here. But first, before we do anything else, I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of twists and turns, and it's important to show up for yourself through all those twists and turns. Personally, I've faced plenty of times in my life where I've tried to shoulder a lot of burdens and found – Answers that thanks to help from good therapists and good therapy. BetterHelp Online Therapy is a place to get that for you. They will help you assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. And it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's actual professional therapy done securely online and it's available to people worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist with therapy it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists if needed and if they have and they have a special offer for our listeners right now get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on that's betterhelp.com slash locked on to get better help online therapy Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our talk here. Before we move on to the defense, I got to talk about the Jalen Warren explosive run because that was extremely impressive. Not just from Jalen Warren either, but from all parties involved. It was a good play call. It was a strong run. And it was blocked in an elite fashion from all parties. And I'll break it down step by step. One. The play itself showed an example of why the jet sweep is in Matt Canada's playbook, because go back and watch the play. The bills, they're kind of spread out a little bit. Calvin Austin comes in motion across the formation and a guy has to run with him because he knows Calvin Austin can get that football any second. And if he does, that guy's got four, four speed and he's breaking it loose. We saw it last week when he had like a 20 yard run or so against the Buccaneers. So it's clear the Bills at least prepared for that. And so when Calvin Austin motions across the formation, a safety comes with him or corner whoever was running with him took a defender out of that way. And then where Calvin Austin went from, that's where Jalen Warren ran. So now you have now taken away a defender from the space that you're trying to attack with Jalen Warren. And then it's just hat on a hat time. Can the Steelers offensive line block in this situation? And oh, did they block in this situation? First, you have Dan Moore Jr. on the outside sealing his man very well. His guy's neutralized. He can't do nothing. Then you have Isaac Seomalu seals his man into the, into the inside, just controlling at the point of attack. That's what they got him for, was to, for those moments just right there. But then also for the rest of the line. Mason Cole has to kind of do a reach step to get to the nose tackle and turn him to the inside, make sure he's sealing him away from the play as Jalen Warren attacks the left side of the formation. And then next to Mason Cole, James Daniels goes to the second level and gets the middle linebacker and prevents him from getting to Jalen Warren. So effectively, Jalen Warren, all he has to do, the first man, he has the touch. It's not even the cornerback because Deontay Johnson went and blocked that guy at 10 yards downfield. The first guy he has to worry about is a safety 20 yards downfield. And to be honest, I think the safety underestimated his speed because the safety had the angle. Warren had to go up the sideline. There was no other way for him to go. And then all of a sudden, safety's like, okay, let me, oh, crap, he's fast. And then Jalen Warren was gone for a touchdown execution across the board. Even uh, Chakuma Korafor made sure his man was out of the play, even though he wasn't as important to it. I don't think his man could have gotten to the play, but even so, across the board, Steelers dominated that play. And overall, I think the offensive line had a very good night. They protected Kenny Pickett, gave him time, And they ran the ball. Now, I saw some people out there saying, oh, well, outside of the Jalen Warren run, the rushing offense for the first team wasn't all that good. They ran twice other than that, and it was two three-yard gains because the Bills were all over it. So, yes, if a team runs three times and they have a 62-yard touchdown and you take away the 62-yard touchdown out of the three runs, I guess you could say they had a bad day. But what are we doing here if we're actually saying that? Now, I'll say this because I, this is something that I said might happen was Najee Harris gets some kind of, you know, like, you know just regular runs and Jalen Warren gets an explosive run. And that's exactly what happened. And those people out there saying, "Jake, start Jalen Warren, start Jalen Warren. Again, like I said last season, I think this was the perfect epitome of what I was saying all last season when they when it came to running the football was look at the opportunities for Najee Harris and look at the opportunities for Jalen Warren. When Najee Harris ran the ball, uh, Milano, the linebacker, was all over it. He was, I'm coming down. We're, we're, we're not letting this guy take over the game. There wasn't much to get there, but he got three yards each time. Solid, nothing more, nothing less, just a good play in that moment. But when Jalen Warren ran the ball... There wasn't a, a player with, within 15 yards of him. And again, that's nothing bad about Jalen Warren. just shows that that's a heck of a one-two punch. I still think Najee Harris is the answer for this in the long term. And we talked to Najee Harris a little bit. I'm not going to play his clips on this show. This day, I want to save that for Monday because we still got a whole week ahead of us of things to talk about. But. I think that there's no doubt that the Steelers have a very good number 2 running back. And I think if you have him and Najee Harris, I think that that's going to be a deadly one two punch. If Najee Harris, let's say Najee Harris does have those kind of grueling runs throughout a game and he's just grinding and getting the tough yards and then all of a sudden he comes off the field and you got to deal with that. That's still a very good problem to have for 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 an offense, right? But away from the, even just the running backs, the offensive lines execution in those moments, because even in the the two Najee Harris runs, it wasn't like they were blocked poorly. It's just, you know, the Bills, they just they stuffed up the middle. They they got physical and it was just a, a cloud of dust situation. But in, in those situations, when you get a cloud of dust and you get three yards, it's not that bad. And if that's third and one, you're getting the first down. I talked to James Daniels after the game and asked him about the Jalen Warren touchdown, but also about the offensive line coming together. Here's James Daniels talking about that. James, looking on that touchdown that you guys had, you came from the backside and got to the back. What was the, what was the assignments, and what was it like to see you guys click in a big play like
1: that? Oh, I mean, it was a great play call, and then... I mean with the with the jet motion that linebacker had to cause we hand I mean, you know, we hand off so many jet sweeps and so that's the benefit of us doing all those jet jet motions is because of that. And so the linebacker sat and when he sat look at the jet motion, I was able to get my head across and the guys, Dan and Isaac on the front side, actually Mason played at the best block. He had the the key block, he reached the nose and Isaac and Dan, they did a really good job of getting to their guys and making a huge hole for Jalen. You saw
0: this offensive line from its inception last year up until now. What's different about you guys as a group that makes you able to break straight like that?
1: I mean, it's just, I mean, every day it's like the guys come in to work and they're really focused on trying to be the best they can be. I mean, Coach Pat, he's a really good coach, and Coach, he pushes us hard every day. Coach Tomlin, he pushes us hard every day. So it's I mean, when you have coaches that push you, I mean, they expect a lot from us, and so we just try to do our best to uphold the standard. What's different about Dan this, this year? Have you seen any growth? growth? I mean, Dan. I mean, just the thing is, it's just Dan is uh, he's just the older player, and I think personally, for me, like my biggest growth, like from development of a player, was like at the end of my second season, between my second and third year. That's like. My biggest jump of playing football since I've been in the NFL is like between second year two and year three. And so I think you're starting to see that with Dan. Is that he had that huge jump between year two and year three. That's when you're, you're not a young player anymore. And he has a lot of starts under him. You start figuring things out. Another year training. I know he, how he trains in the offseason. He trains really hard. So, I mean, you can tell all the work he put in the offseason. And then, of course, like in camp, it's all the work he put in during camp.
0: I asked that last question about Dan Moore. And I got to be honest, I, I don't see a reason to remove Dan Moore from the start, from the starters right now. He's pass-blocking well. He's run-blocking well. He's doing his job. And I don't think it's at an elite rate. But right now, while Broderick Jones, you're just letting him kind of get used to the pace of the NFL, there's no reason to just throw him to the wolves with Nick Bosa and Max Crosby and Miles Garrett coming in the first few weeks of the season. Dan Moore Jr. has shut down Miles Garrett in games. So, if he was taking a step back, if he, would, if he wasn't playing well right now in preseason, I'd be like, you know, there's still Roderick Jones in there. Who cares? But he's holding up. So, that's another good, really positive thing for the offense there. We have a lot more to talk about the offense with the success as far as the run blocking and the pass blocking, and there's a lot of different things to go into that. We also got to talk about the defense. The defense. I look at this game. Josh Allen finished seven of ten for 64 yards. Not terrible for him. But they were forcing holding calls. They were getting pressure. They were they forced mistakes. And as far as the possessions went for the defense, the first team defense against the Bills' first team offense, it was punt, punt, and punt. <laughs> And one of that last drive wasn't even the whole first-team Steelers defense. The first two drives, yeah, they they were out there. Steelers defense did what they did, and that was a wrap. The third series where the Bills left their first-team offense in there, the Steelers took out Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, They took out T.J. Watt. They took out Cam Hayward. They took out Patrick Peterson. Might have took out a few other guys as well. And they still threw it out at him. Bad. And... Again, just preseason. But there were so many good things about how they did it. They stuffed the run. They got pressure on Josh Allen, forced him to leave the pocket, get uncomfortable at times. Got good pressure, I mean, and, and had decent coverage. And even when Josh Allen was finding those his his guys and spots, which is going to happen in today's NFL, No, there is no more such thing as a perfect defense that will take everything away every play. But even when he found guys that were open, what happened? They were brought down immediately. There was not, not a ton of yak. They were all on it. It was assignment football for the Steelers' defense, and also you saw their talent shining through. I want to talk more about the defense on the other side of this break, and then we'll get to some of the other things I didn't like about this game for the Pittsburgh Steelers right after this break here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Before we do any of that, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sports book in America And with football season about to kick off, FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long with FanDuel Sportsbook, the best sportsbook in America. Y'all, I'm selling y'all for real. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winning team, you can get a bonus bet every time they win in the regular season. That's right. Just pick any team that you think could win the Super Bowl this year, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even if they don't win the Super Bowl, every win that they get throughout the season, you'll get bonus bets back. So, if you're crazy enough to pick the Steelers, that means let's say they win 10, 11 games this year. Like I'm saying they can win, they can, they can win at least, they can win at least 10. They might win 11, could maybe even win 12. If they get crazy, but that's 10, 11, 12 chances for you to win bonus bets back where you can win those prizes week to week and you can use those bonus bets on any other bets like spreads, player props, over-unders, and so many more options on FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today and you can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. I know I, I talked a little bit more about the offense there, but there I thought there were just so many positives that I had to kind of harp on just specific moments there. Let's talk about some of the specific defensive moments that I thought were really, were really strong. I thought, one, when the Bills tried to run the ball, they were contained for the most part. Uh, I thought when there was uh, on the first third down, when Josh Allen wants to – Make a quick read over the middle. It was taken away. There's a good enough push from Cam Hayward in the interior defensive line that forces Josh Ballon to bail in the pocket. If he sits there and is comfortable, Patrick Peterson's guy was a little bit open on, this, on the right sideline, and he would have been able to see it and find him, and it would have been a first down. But because he has to move his feet and he has to kind of get out of the way, he doesn't have that chance, and he runs right into, right into T.J. Watt's path. And then he's like, mm, business decision time. Let me throw this one away. And so that was pretty solid. There was, a, there was back-to-back plays for Alex Highsmith that I thought showed great versatility on his part where the Bills got the matchup they wanted. They were the, the Steelers were in a tough spot, and it was Stephon Diggs over the middle in the slot, and Alex Highsmith was over top of him. And I saw that loud. I was like, oh, that's not what you want if you're the Steelers. Or was it? Because Josh Allen went right after him. And I'm telling you, Alex Highsmith, he – Gets in position, doesn't impede Diggs's progress, reaches over and knocks the ball down like he's a slot cornerback himself. And I even tweeted like, that happened, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not drunk up here. Am I like that? Did, did does Alex Highsmith just cover and blanket a pass between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs? What is happening? Not that he's gonna do that every game or anything like that, but to do that and to do it fundamentally well that was a very impressive moment and then the play after was just as much impressive if not more impressive because it's a i believe it's a third down he gets pressure off the right side. It forces Josh Allen out of the pocket. Josh Allen tries to run. The Steelers have contained from all over the place. So he's like, well, I can't go that way. So he turns back around, and Josh Allen does what he does in amazing fashion. He finds ways to escape, to buy time, to create more opportunities. But eventually he realizes, oh, I've crossed over the line of scrimmage. I cannot throw this ball, but I can't run because they're about there's there right there. So let me turn back around. And by that time, Alex Highsmith, who started this play by getting a pressure, ends the play by getting what was a tackle for loss officially because technically it's not a sack because Josh Allen crossed the line of scrimmage. So, therefore, it doesn't count as a passing play. It is a running play. But either way, the problem for the Bills' offense was started by Alex Highsmith and the problem for the Bills' offense was finished by Alex Highsmith. Heck of a play for him. And he wasn't alone. Joy Porter Jr. got his interception. And that was a really cool moment. Just, I, I don't know if it came across on TV, if you weren't there. But like when he gets that interception, if you could have seen the way the Steelers sideline and the Steelers defense just exploded for him because they because it's not just that he's Joey Porter Sr.'s son. It's that this guy has come to camp and he's done everything. He's been challenged. He's been coached. He's he's not being like I'm Joey Porter's senior son. I could say and do whatever I want. He's been humble. He's been appreciated and he's been he's been loved by this organization. And to see him get that moment in the town that he grew up watching his dad play for the team he watched watched growing his dad play, it was it was a really cool moment for how the, the the team and the fans. The fans also exploded around him to get that moment. Here was Joey Porter Jr. after the game in the Steelers locker room talking about that play, what led to it, how the play developed, and just what it felt like to be in that moment. Joey the interception how you
2: saw it and how it played out yeah uh, i was talking to my coach right before i went out on that series and he was talking about getting our hands on our receivers and cover two so he's like once you get your hands on them, push them out of balance and look for the ball because it's going to be there and exactly like oh my bad and exactly like that it happened
0: you walk us through the post moment, seemed like the whole team celebrated the whole city really seemed to celebrate for you when you had when you
2: made it happen yeah i mean it was the first one you know hopefully first of many and shoot we look at it one play focuses on to the next can't keep Talking about that, because then I'm, that's all the thing I'm gonna worry about. Joey,
0: you were saying earlier this week that you were kind of proving to people that you have good hands, was so growing your confidence. How about to do it in a game? Joey, so? don't
2: lie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's good. You know, I always want to stand on what I say, and I've been telling people I've been working on my hands a lot. So, nothing better than a homecoming game and get my first pick. It was perfect, too. Levi said you did a great job of pushing. you should, you're not pushing, but just doing the coverage and him almost to the head, you know, outside. Yeah, you know uh, that was that was the main thing really was to get them to the sideline, push them to the sideline. That's what my coach wanted, so I just tried to do what my coach asked me to do, and and that's how it played out. It went perfect.
0: So just as important, no, i even say more important than actually getting the interception was the process for him to get there. Because in cover two, what he's talking about is not pushing him when the ball's in the air because that's pass interference, but when they're trying, when you're pressing them. When you're allowed to put your hands on the receivers and start, you're forcing them. You're establishing inside leverage. And you're forcing them to the sideline so that when you're playing, if the ball is going to come, it's got to if the quarterback's going to throw the ball from the middle part of the field to the sideline. And it's going to your guy. It's going to have to go over you. And that's exactly what he did. Matt Barkley tried to throw it there. It was a bad throw. And he intercepted it. And it was a big play for the Steelers defense. And it set up a a touchdown, a touchdown drive uh, for Mitch Trubisky and the the second team offense, which I'll talk about later this week to maybe even Monday when we get to, you know, the Darnell Washington stuff and then finishing with Connor Hayward and some thoughts there, but bottom line, Joey Porter jr. Awesome moment for him and an awesome day for the defense in general. They showed that they can stand up to one of the premier quarterback receiver connections and, you know combinations even with you throw Gabe Davis in there in the NFL I'll say Dalton Kincaid, you know, a tight end that I liked really really what really in this draft process um you know he he was out there and he made some plays but by and large the Steelers defense they they owned the day just like the Steelers offense owned the day and and again what more do you want from them right if you're a Steelers fan you got almost everything you wanted from this game And again, it doesn't mean that they're going to go win the division. It doesn't mean they're going to go win the Super Bowl. But it means that on this Saturday evening at Accrashire Stadium, they accomplished their mission. And no major injuries. So nothing to really be mad about there. Unless you want to nitpick about Kendrick Green, which wouldn't even be nitpicking. It's just bad. And if there's one weakness on this roster right now, it's backup center, and I even said after the uh, Buccaneers game, I was like, "It was rough, but let's see how he rebounds." Oh no, he didn't rebound. I mean, I guess maybe maybe he did get a rebound, and it's like if we're doing a basketball analogy, he got the rebound, but then he threw up another brick. But it's looking rough for Kendrick Green, and it stinks because you see this guy; he's worked so hard. It's not like it's not like he's not trying. It's not like he's, you know, Jamarcus rustling and, you know, just like pretending to watch tape, but not really watching tape, not actually working out, just kind of showing up and being lazy. He, he's he's not that person. I just think that his body type and his strengths just don't suit well to being center. He's just not good at snapping the ball. He's not good at coordinating things in the middle part of the offense, and it's just not working for him. And maybe there's a different system where it will work for him, but I, I think that this experiment has gone on long enough. And I think the Steelers, they either need to show they they need to prepare with Nate Herbig as their backup center, Spencer Anderson, who took some snaps at center, uh, their seventh-round rookie from Maryland who can play all five positions on the offensive line, or McCollum, or wh- whoever they got, or whoever they can get in free agency when teams make their cuts. They need another a, a number two option at some point. It's not that dire, because here's the thing, if – in January, you were told that the biggest thing you were worrying about was the Steelers' backup center for this season? You'd take that problem, right? You would. You don't have to answer that question. It's rhetorical. Because now you feel comfortable at cornerback. You feel comfortable at safety. You feel, you feel better about linebacker. I thought Cole Holcomb, there was one play he got beaten by Dalton Dalton, Dalton Kincaid, but in the red zone, there was a really good play where he, you know, he felt his zone out, felt where the receiver was coming from, turned his eyes back to the quarterback, Paul was thrown his way, could have made an interception, but instead he tips it into the air, and Elijah Riley, who had a very good game by the way, gets the interception. Also, Shannon Sellon on his interception was very impressive. All three interceptions were really good plays by the Steelers; they weren't just fluky. Oh man, the Steelers lucked into that one. It was those guys made you know played their keys, read their keys, and it executed in those moments. And again, which is why I just think that this is overwhelmingly positive what we're seeing right now from both the Steelers' offense and the Steelers' defense, and I'll even say the Steelers' special teams, because Calvin Austin looked good. And heck, Presley Harvin, though his numbers look not great, when you look at the 38.2 yards per punt average, it was because the Steelers kept getting really good field position. And he didn't have to punt it too far. He had five punts. All of them were inside the twenty. And he did have a 52-yard boomer. So even Presley Harvin had a good day. I'm not sure what there is to be mad about if you're a Steelers fan. I mean, I'm sure there will be a way because fan, there's always going to be some fan that's mad about something. But Steelers fans, you should you should have enjoyed that Saturday night. And you should enjoy this Sunday if you're watching this show then or if you're, you know, checking this out, this show out on Monday. But then we will have a full Monday episode as well to accompany this. But there were a lot of positives to be had out there, and I don't even think I got to cover them all in just this bonus episode that we're doing here. We'll cover more of those and things that we look at as we study more tape from this game. Uh, we're sorry for this episode not coming out until late into, late in the night, but I was at Ackershire Stadium. I was in the locker room. I was clipping up things. I was sitting. I was preparing things, and then I wanted to come back, you know, edit the sh- edit the edit the, the show up a little bit, and then uh, get get my full thoughts so you guys can get the full complete show. And it, hopefully, you're enjoying this on a Sunday and uh, getting to listen and watch about your Steelers and uh, get some enjoyment out of that. Uh, while probably the national media will be talking about Aaron Rodgers and what the Jets did or didn't do uh on the on whatever show we'll be on tomorrow. but hey, either way, enjoy uh enjoy another pre- solid preseason performance. remember it doesn't count for anything real. but remember what I said they had a stack positive days. and right now that's two preseason games positive results been stacked. Now the question is, how do they respond? This is the first week they'll be outside of St. Vincent College. They'll be back at the Southside facility. How do they respond with the practices there? And then how do they finish with this last preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons? We'll have all those answers and more on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks for tuning in on this bonus episode. Remember, you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps, especially on uh, your on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. And also, you can find us on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. It. Subscribe to this channel. and get all of our daily Monday to Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content, like this episode. And we appreciate everyone for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. Thanks again, everyone. Again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're coming your way on the full Monday episode of the Locked on Steelers podcast. We'll see you then.